Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the retirement and tax playbooks, Marcus Warren, and I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And actually right in front of me today, we got a new uh, setup in the office. I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything you missed, you can subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we're going to be offering a retirement rescue game plan. Now, what is that? That's a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And you can simply order that. Well, actually, you can't order that, but you can get put on the wait list because we are totally sold out of that retirement rescue game plan. But you can get on that wait list at warrenwealth.net. You go to the site, put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered once we get more in free of charge to your front door. Once again, get on that wait list now because it's first come, first serve. Go to the website, warrenwealth.net. Now on to the show. So today is uh, September 12th. Yes. Um, yesterday was September uh, 11th. Correct. And that was marked 20 years, by the way, mm-hmm. since uh, um, the terrorist attack wow. in New York. I mean, that's 20 years. It seems uh, it's weird when you think how long ago that it that is was. weird. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Yes. You were you were in school. I was. Like, I was in fifth grade. Oh, my gosh. And our teacher oh my, our, wheeled in a TV um, to show us, you know, when they had the TVs on the carts with the I think you know, still, TV on top. I don't, I don't know if they still do that. They're all electronic now. But, um, yeah, T- she wheeled in. TV's a, electronic. A, okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, TV, um, and it was just the news, showing us the news, and she kind of freaked me out because she was crying. Oh, she um, was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was a kind of a devastating event. Yeah, I was um, I was in, I lived in Baltimore at the time, mm-hmm. um, and it was actually 10 days after my first daughter was born, and um, oh, man. actually just, you know, woke up uh, um, and turned on the news, just mm-hmm. I think it was the uh, Today Show, yeah. And of course, during that, during the Today Show, all that stuff started to happen and it was all surreal. Yeah. You know, at the time. Um, and, it, you know, it was just, uh, you know, it, it was devastating to think that, you know, we're, we were being attacked yeah. on U.S. soil. Mm-hmm. You know, it hadn't happened really since like Pearl Harbor. Pearl right? Harbor, yeah. Like that. So right. it was, it was crazy. And it's been uh, um, 20 years and now we got all this turmoil. We went to war, mm-hmm. ended a war. Mm-hmm. And, uh, here we are now. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we're we're safer for it. I know a lot of things were implemented and hopefully we don't have to go through anything like that again. You know, I agree. There we go. But let's mm-hmm. get on to uh, some money matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money
let's talk about financial goals. Financial goals. These are things that we all hope to, you know, achieve uh, one way or the other. We have these financial goals when we first uh, start off working. We have these financial goals uh, as we're accumulating uh, income and assets. And then, of course, once we retire, we should have uh, financial goals. And these financial goals are different based on what stage of life you are in. And so I wanted to talk about some of these um, and kind of give everyone uh, an idea of uh, some things that you should be looking to accomplish and looking to th- at least think about when you're in uh, different points of your uh, financial lives. And really, I'm just going to only start with really two phases. One is when you're kind of first starting out, um, and then the other is once you uh, are in retirement or at least one to, to three years away from retirement. And so from a financial perspective, setting financial goals when you're first starting out. Um, when you're uh, a newbie uh, to investing, say you for you got your first uh, uh, your first job, starting off in your first career, um, and you want to know what to do with some of that. Uh, hopefully, you got some discretionary income. Mm-hmm. You want to know what to do, or say you've been working for a while and you really haven't saved, but now you're like, all right, I need to start worrying about my financial future. What should I do? All right, and so I basically have you know four things that I want to outline, and you know I. I Basically, I'm not going to lie to you all, you know, because I want to be transparent, just like we always hear. We always are here on the Marcus Warren show. And, you know, I, I, um, I'm, I'm taking this from the, uh, the Dave Ramsey playbook here. So, um, so here we go. So if you're first starting out, the first thing that uh, I think you should do, and I agree with um, uh, Dave Ramsey's playbook in this regard, some other stuff I don't agree, but I do, for, I do in regards to, to these four things. Number one is you need to save at least $1,000 for your starter emergency fund. Um, you have to have a baseline of income where if the car breaks down, something happens, you at least have a, a little small uh, starter emergency fund to pull from. So that's number one. Second is you need to pay off your credit card and high interest debt. Try to get out of debt. If you are just starting off and you don't have any debt, uh, congratulations. That's fantastic. But um, that's generally not the case when we're talking about credit cards and high interest debt. So um, start to pay that off. Once most of that or all of that is paid off, then I'd say you need to transition to you need to transition back to that emergency fund and start to build on that. So you have that thousand dollars that you've saved. Um, now do what the financial experts tell you to do. And that is to have at least three to six months worth of living expenses saved up. So now if there's a loss of a job, if anything else uh, breaks, uh, you have to get a car repaired. Just like I said earlier, you have a, uh, a pile of money to, to pull from without having to disturb number four, which is your investment assets. And so once you have that three to six month worth of living expenses, now let's transition to uh, starting to save for uh, retirement and starting to invest. And I always say you need to invest at least 10 or 15% of your household income for retirement. If you can do more, that would be fantabulous. Um, However, uh, that baseline of 10 or 15% is a good starting point. And you need to be consistent and methodical in the way uh, that you are saving for retirement. Uh, because the one thing that I always hear from uh, my 
uh, clientele and my clientele are basically people who are very close to retirement or in retirement. The one thing that they always say hundred percent of the time is I wish I would have started saving earlier. And so that is what I'm telling you. I am imparting their wisdom onto hopefully the listeners who are just starting out. Or if you're a, uh, an older uh, person listening, you will tell your kids or grandkids the same thing. Start now, start early. Invest at least that 15% of that household income for retirement. And you might, want, you might ask, hey, what should I invest in? And um, to me, it's like this. And I, and I, I was talking to a, uh, a potential client um, earlier uh, in the week, and um, we were talking about um, how when uh, they were working in 2008 and the market dropped um, significantly that they didn't change anything. And, you know, they, they you know, eventually made it all back, you know, plus, uh, plus extra. And I was like, you know what? I was like, you are absolutely correct. And you were in a position where you were working during that during that time frame. So you were in that accumulation phase. And so it didn't matter that the market dropped because you were continuously putting money into your investments. And so my point is, is that uh, when you first start to invest, you need to just find you a good index mutual fund. Uh, that, that, uh, mirrors the S and P 500, something like that. Um, you probably don't need an advisor when you're first starting out or when you're in that accumulation phase. The same thing I told the gentleman is that because as long as you're systematic, as long as you're investing that 15% each and every year, or that 15% is coming out of your paycheck each and every pay period, the market's going to do what the market always does. It's going to go up, it's going to go down. But as long as you're systematically and consistently investing, when the market actually drops, you are buying up more shares. You're in in essence doing what you're supposed to do when investing. And that is you are buying low. And that is big time. And just think about that. Just think if you're able to contribute 15% of your income for the course of a working career. So you get your first career job, we'll say at 25. So, um, and I'm assuming you went to a trade school or you went to college or whatever you did, or you've just been working right out of high school and you finally settle into that good job and it's 25, you know, we'll say 25 years old. So that's a good 40 years. If we just go at the typical retirement age of 65, that's 40 years of systematically investing. You are going to end up in a, in, in, in a better place financially from a nest egg standpoint. And that's not making any rash decisions, uh, you know, when the market, just like I said, the market goes up, the market goes down. But as you're, but as you're in that accumulation phase, as you're getting a check from an employer, if you keep being as diligent as possible and investing, you're going to find yourself ahead of the game. Like I said, hear it all the time. I wish I would have started earlier. I wish I would have continued to invest. I wish I, I wish I hadn't stopped. I wish I hadn't have taking money out uh, to, to buy that car that, that, that I wanted to buy. I wish I would have just let it grow. And now those are the things you have to think about. Well, I know that life happens, but it all goes into having a financial plan and setting those financial goals. So if you are just starting out, just to recap, save $1,000 immediately for your starter emergency fund, try to pay off all that high interest or credit card debt, 
then get back to that emergency fund and save three to six months worth of living expenses. And then lastly, invest at least 15% of your household income for retirement. There you go. Next, probably not the next segment, but here uh, during the show, I'm going to talk about what you should do and the financial goals you should have if you are close or in retirement. But coming up next, we're going to jump into your emails and answer those bad boys. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. I've heard people say that too much of anything is not good for you, baby. Oh, that's a good uh, line. Too yeah. much of anything I don't know is not good. Many times that we've loved and it's in the Barry White. shared love and made love. It doesn't seem to me like Barry White likes to talk a lot. Oh, okay. Before he gets to the he song. Does. You know, <laughs> he's got to explain. He he's got to explain. It's just not enough. This is one of his hits, though. Oh, the song came out in 1974. Okay. This is Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Babe. And it would be Barry White's birthday today. That's why we are playing this. I'm not sure how old he would be, but I'm sure you will figure that out here in a minute. But there you go. Well, he was a young 30 when he recorded this song. All right. So do the math or just figure out when he was born. But anyway, welcome back to the show. The Marcus Warren Show. And... Um, I guess we're going to be playing Barry White today because, uh, like I said, it was his birthday today. Um, and if he did this when he was 30 back in 74, he would be like 70. Um, uh, no, he'd be 77, 77 today. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. say 78. Yep. So look at that. See, it's called math off the, off the top of the head. That's pretty smart. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Let's do this. Let's jump into, uh, how about we do some emails here? Yes, it's email, email time. It's time to check the mail. Hey, all you listeners, if you have a question for Marcus, you can now leave us a message on the Ask Marcus line. How does it work? Well, just call 502-622-1337. Leave a message with your question. If it's a good one, it might be featured on the show. Just call the Ask Marcus line. Again, it's 502 502- 622-1337. All right. First question today is from Tanya. She says, I'm turning 72 next month, and I know that I have to take money out of my IRA accounts. How does this work? I have three IRAs. Do I need to take it out of each one? And how much do I need to take? Okay. First of all, um, Tanya, my question question is why do you have three IRAs how does that happen I mean I I see it a lot I'm not really picking on you Tanya but I just see that a lot where people have multiple IRAs and um, it's just interesting to me um, why people have multiple IRAs I can see why people may have multiple 401ks because Mm -hmm. you change jobs and you start a new 401k but an IRA you only have to open an IRA up once And after that, you can always contribute to that IRA. Or if you have three other previous jobs, you can roll all of those 401ks into that one IRA. So, hmm. Anyway. All right, Tanya. But first thing I suggest is you take those three IRAs and roll them into one. But your question. Um, The IRS rule says that 
Um, of course, you cannot keep your retirement funds in uh, your IRA indefinitely, and you generally have to start taking withdrawals from your IRA or, or your 401k when you reach age 72. Uh, it used to be 70 and a half, um, and that is called your required minimum distribution. That's basically the minimum amount that you have to withdraw from your account each year. And this, this amount generally starts at about 4% of your cumulative account balances, and it increases each year. So you do not need to take it from each account. You can take it from just one account as long as it meets the minimum required amount. For example, if you have five IRA accounts that total, say, $200,000, then your RMD for the, and say your RMD for that year is $8,000. Uh, any amount that you take out of your IRA or your 401k accounts um, is considered taxable income. So you would just have to take that $8,000 out from one of those five IRAs <laughs> in that hypothetical. But anyway, like I said, it's taxable income, which really makes tax planning really important in retirement um, because your retirement account withdrawals are taxable. And your Social Security benefits uh, could potentially be taxed, too, if you're over some uh, income threshold. So um, and of course, we uh, know that tax rates are at all time lows right now, which really gives everyone an opportunity to take advantage of some uh, some tax planning that can save you a lot of money in the long term. So if you want to learn more about uh, how to implement tax saving strategies uh, with your IRAs, Tanya, uh, then you can go to talktomarcus.com, which is my calendar, and you can schedule that uh, quick 15-minute phone call, and I can uh, help you out there. All right, let's do another. Okay, next one is from Barbara. She says, I'm retiring this year. I have money saved in IRAs, annuities, and a Roth. I'm also getting Social Security and a small pension. Hey, that sounds nice. Uh, she says, if I need any additional income... Where should I take money from first? This is kind of like the million-dollar question, right? The yes. question that most retirees have, right, as they're about to retire. Where do I pull from first? Right, and, um, you know, really, um, it is a good question. I mean, there's a lot of factors to, to consider, um, and this really is where good retirement planners uh, and good financial planners demonstrate their, uh, their value. Um, actually, when you think about it, clients don't, they normally don't, really know what to, you know, what to pull from first. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, well, she's getting a pension and she's going to get social security. So she's going to have that mailbox money coming in yep. mm -hmm. right away. But it's the other stuff, the IRAs, the cash in the bank, the annuities um, that really can, can, can impact a retirement and really this distribution phase of your retirement. Um, you know, people get caught up in, in, in a lot of pitfalls as you're going down that retirement mountain, uh, as I call it. And the order of withdrawal from your various assets, it can make a huge impact on how long your money lasts. And really just by changing the order in which you spend down your assets, it can make your money last longer. So there are a lot of things that you have to factor. There's not a one size fits all. Um, the tax status of each account is something you have to figure. How much you have saved in each type of accounts is something that you have to, to, to determine and look at. And how much extra money you're going to need to take out each year. So, Barbara, I can't give you an answer without knowing your specific situation because there is no general rule of thumb of what's best to do. It really does depend on your individual situation. 
Um, and if your current advisor can't answer this question for you, um, or if you're not working with an advisor, uh, then go to my calendar, schedule a consultation with me. That calendar is at talktomarcus.com, and I will give you uh, my recommended order of withdrawal, Barbara, based on your individual situation. There you go. Um, let's do let's do one more. Let's go. All righty. Mike says, I'm going to start receiving a pension from UPS when I retire in June next year. How can I get this tax free? <laughs> Mike, um, that's a good question. Uh, if you have already elected to receive your monthly benefits, uh, pension benefits, then really there isn't anything you can do to take it tax-free because all pension income is considered taxable. So if the amount that you receive each year is lower than your standard deduction when you file, which not sure how old you are or, or if you're married, Mike, but um, then it could technically be free from tax, but it really depends on your total annual income. And I probably doubt that um, all of that falls under your standard deduction. So, you know, one, in, one unintended consequence that, you know, people don't consider when it comes to taking their pension is that it counts towards something that is called provisional income. And so what is provisional income? Provisional income is what the IRS uses to determine how much of your Social Security benefits are going to be taxed. And so what is considered uh, provisional income? Well, Mike, everything is pretty much considered provisional income. You have earned income. You have any 1099s that you get uh, from uh, your financial institutions. Those count as provisional income. Anytime you take money from your uh, IRAs or 401ks, that is provisional income. If you have any rental properties or real estate, that is considered provisional income. Your pension, just as we talked about, is considered retirement. I'm sorry, it's considered uh, provisional income. Um, what else? What else is considered a, a provisional income? Oh, I know what's considered provisional income. This is going to, uh, this might surprise you. One half of your Social Security benefits are considered provisional income. So that goes into the calculations to determine how much of your Social Security is going to be taxed. So if you are receiving provisional income, which would include your pension, uh, Mike, that is higher than a specific limit. And so if you are married uh, and you file jointly, um, then that income limit is just $44,000. So if you make over $44,000 in provisional income, you and your spouse, by the way, then up to 85% of your social security benefits then are considered taxable. Now, that's a lot. Now, say you are single. That number is $34,000. So anything over $34,000, if you're single, then up to 85% of your social security benefits then become taxable. Now, in regards to your pension, one way to avoid your pension, all of your pension counting as um, provisional income is you have to consider if you have not taken, if you're not currently taking your pension and you have a lump sum option from your company, if they allow a lump sum option 
And you can take that lump sum and you can roll that over into a traditional IRA. And then there are strategies where you can strategically work to shift that income to uh, your some tax advantage investments or the tax advantage bucket over time, like a like a, a Roth doing Roth conversions, things of that nature. And I generally recommend this option to people that have pensions that I meet with because it gives them control over their money. Um, you know, a lot of people do like that mailbox money each month. Um, but you know, there's a way to create your own mailbox money, um, and then also have tax savings on the other, on the other end of that. So, um, if you need more specific guidance, which it probably sounds like you do, Mike, then go to my, uh, calendar at talktomarcus.com, schedule that phone call and we can get you started. Bam. There you go. All right. Coming up next, we are going to dive into the financial goals for people who are close to retirement or in retirement. You are listening to The Marcus Warren Show. White Channel. We've got it together, baby. Well, he always has to talk before he gets into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, this is uh, you're the first, the last, my everything. Came out in 1974. There he is. Okay. It's number two. Okay. In the U.S. Yeah. Number one in the U.K. All right. It's previous one. Um, that we just uh, played at the... Can't get enough for your love? Yeah, that was number two in the U.S., number one in the U.K. All right. Oh, sorry, number one in the U.S., sorry. Okay, number one. So there you go. Yeah. Barry White was big time in 1974. Anyway, welcome back to the show. The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can get on that wait list for your retirement rescue game plan because they've been going like hotcakes. And so we have a wait list. So if you go to warrenwealth.net, you put in your information uh, and you'll be put on a a wait list to get a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg, market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk. You have to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, all you have to do to get put on that wait list, by the way, it's first come, first serve. So don't wait to get on the wait list. Just go to warrenwealth.net. All right, so in the very first segment, I was talking about um, financial goals for people who are just starting out. And so now we're going to dive into financial goals for people who are uh, one to three years from retirement or actually in retirement. And so um, let's talk about these things here. So um, number one, uh, the first thing that, the first goal that, that people should have is creating a detailed budget. People have to do a budget. How many people like, uh, like sitting down and writing out budgets? Anyone? Anyone? No? Okay. Well, but that's what you have to do. When we talk about retirement, um, uh, you have to know where you stand. You have to know what is coming in, what income you have coming in versus what money is going to be going out. And so you sit back and, and you determine, 
what kind of retirement you want. You're going to have your, your basic living expenses. If you have a mortgage, you'll have the mortgage on there or your rent. Um, but other than that, you'll have um, uh, food, gas, your basic living expenses. But then you need to start carving out what kind of retirement you want. Do you want to travel? You're going to have a travel budget. Are you going to have a, uh, a gift budget where you spend money on the grandkids? Like, you know, are you going to uh, want to give to charities and, and, and donate money uh, to the church? And so you come up with that budget or your, that expense sheet of what is going to be going out. Then you need to look at what's coming in. So you have your guaranteed streams of income. Um, and I said streams plural, and really it's just one for the most part, and that's Social Security. Uh, some people have pensions, and so you look at those guaranteed streams streams of income, and uh, you, most of the time you notice that there there may be a gap between your expenses and the lifestyle you want versus your guaranteed income. And so that gap is filled by what you have accumulated um, in your IRAs, 401ks, that nest egg, right? And so once you get an idea of uh, what's going out versus what's coming in, um, then you can move on um, and, and start to do the second part of your financial goals, which is assess risk. So the first thing you need to do is create a detailed budget, um, you know, a detailed, I always call it a pie in the sky budget. So if you, if you want to have that, uh, that $10,000 a month travel budget and can afford it, then that should be on there. Um, just so you know that um, you have everything covered. But anyway, but after that, then you now need to move on to step two. And that means you need to step on, step into assessing your risk. How much risk is in your current portfolio? Um, because what generally happens is you get your first job um, and you fill out your company retirement plan paperwork and when you're younger, you take you can take on more risk. So you generally opt for more of the aggressive type uh, mutual funds that are uh, within that for within those 401k options. And after that, you kind of set it and you forget it. Right. You set it and you forget it. And you don't make any changes. And as you get older, those things start to shift and those things start uh, to change. And so basically, um, you need to make sure that you assess that risk because you don't want to be close to retirement and still have all the risk that you took uh, at 35 and now you're 65. And we have another 2008 when right before you're about to retire, bam, the market drops 50%. Then you got a decision to make, right? Are you going to retire with less or are you going to have to keep on working? And that's because you didn't accept, uh, assess your risk and make and make those adjustments. Now, Warren Buffett um, has what he calls the rule of 100 when we're talking about how much money should be allocated to the stock market where um, you're subject to a lot more risk. And that rule of 100 basically works like this. You take the number 100 and you subtract your age and whatever is left is what you should... Uh, have at risk in the stock market. So if uh, you're 65, so you take the number 100, you're 65 years old, what's left is 35. So basically 35% of your money should potentially be at risk in the market where you can lose it. Now, 
that's just a general rule, meaning that if you are apt to take on a lot more risk, then you can increase that. If you want 50% risk, 60% risk, go ahead and, and feel free to do that. Just understand the consequences if the market drops, right? And if you're more risk averse and that 35 number scares you and won't allow you to sleep at night, then maybe you make that shift and do uh, and go lower than that. But that's just a general rule of thumb, the rule of 100 when uh, assessing risk. So that's number two. That's what you have to do. After that, one of the things you need to, uh, to focus on is, um, is the fact that uh, taxes, right? Tax planning. That's what we talk about here all the time, right? Ad nauseum, but it's important. I don't care. The one thing that is often overlooked when we're talking about retirement planning are taxes. That's right. We're talking about taxes. And so what do I mean by that? And I, I've said this before, but yeah, I know I got, a, you know, I got a one, I got one or two uh, listeners out there who haven't heard this. Um, Hold on. Maybe more. Wait a minute. Um, that's assuming that I have two listeners right now, right? Well, I'm at least one of them. Uh, so yeah, but you've heard this and your, your ears are covered up because you know, you, you probably could recite what I'm about to say anyway. So, um, so, so it's about this. You get your IRA, your 401k statement, or you're looking at your, your company retirement plan statement from Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, Vanguard, Charles Schwab, wherever it comes from. And you make the mistake of thinking that all that money is yours, right? That $300,000 you saved up or the million dollars that you have in that retirement plan, you think it's all yours and it's not. You have a partner, a partner's Uncle Sam. He's going to get probably at least 30% of it. So how can you minimize this? Maximize what comes to you. Minimize what goes to your partner, uh, which is the IRS. And that's through tax planning. That's why the third step in setting financial goals is to make sure that you have a tax strategy, right? Because you want more money in your pocket, less than Uncle Sam's, and you don't have a full financial plan unless you have a tax strategy and many, many people miss out on this. Even advisors, your, your, your current advisor, when they're doing these nice, fancy, bound up uh, 25 to 125 page retirement plans, and one thing that they always miss out on are, are, are the impact of taxes, I met with a guy this week who he showed me this nice retirement plan that he got from his advisor. Uh, you know, it, it was all glossy with a lot of charts and graphs and it said he had a pretty good probability of, of, of not running out of money in retirement. However, upon further review, they forgot about taxes. They didn't account for taxes. And once we accounted for taxes, what we ended up finding out was the fact that um, he was going to run out of money a lot sooner than he thought. And so because of that, we made adjustments. Have to have that tax plan. And then last, but definitely not, not least, is estate planning. And you may be saying, hey, Marcus, why do I have to worry about estate planning? The reason you have to worry about estate planning, even if you don't think you have a big estate, I'm talking about the bare minimum. Number one, need to have at least a will. You have to have a will. Designate where you want your assets to go. 
need a medical power of attorney. Those are the basics. You need to make sure that the beneficiaries on your IRAs, 401ks are correct and updated, especially for the divorcees and divorcees out there. Got to make sure that that stuff is updated. That's the basics. Now, if it gets a little more complicated, you have a little more money and a lot, lot more moving parts, then that's where trust and uh, all of those other things can, can come into play. But you have to at least have the basics for an estate plan. So let's recap the financial goals that have to happen once you are close or in retirement. Number one, got to have that detailed budget. Number two, got to make sure that you assess the risk that is in your current portfolio. And then number three, you have to make sure you have a tax plan. And then, of course, lastly, make sure that your affairs and estate is in order. Will, medical power directive. Uh, medical power of attorney, and um, making sure that your beneficiaries are updated. There you go. That is how you do it. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle, G.I. Joe. Anyway, coming up next, we're going to have news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. We got another Barry White song here. He's not talking before this one, though. Nope. This is uh, just another way to say... No, it's, it's What Am I Going to Do With You from his album, Just Another Way to Say I Love You, which oh. came out in 1975, by the way. Okay. Not familiar with this song as much. I know it. It, it, it was well. It was number eight in the U.S. and number five in the U.K. So okay. it was a big hit. It was. Hmm. But it's not like the other two we played. Mm-mm. A lot more upbeat too. I'm not used to Barry White uh, singing upbeat songs. You know, usually slower. Slow where he mm-hmm. talks. You know, his deep voice. Say, baby, I just want you to know that I love you. That sounded just very mm, white, just like him. Yes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, welcome back to the show. You know what it's time for. It is time to get into some news that you can use. Well, congressional Democrats are weighing a new type of required distribution from IRAs. Based on, instead of, you know, we have required minimum distributions based on what, what age you are. Well, actually, you have to take those when you're 872. Yes. Now they're looking at basing it on the account value that's in the accounts. So uh, they're saying they may change the rules for some mega, quote unquote, IRA accounts with more than $5 million as a way to help raise money for their $3.5 trillion uh, spending measure. Okay. Uh, the policy would require taxpayers to distribute their retirement account balances that exceed certain thresholds. So they're basically saying if your accounts are above certain amounts, you just got to start taking some money out. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's what I always say. Um, you know, it's one of these things where uh, the IRA, you, you have, I call them government controlled retirement plans. And so we already talked about um the fact that they make you pull money out uh, at 72 and now 
you know, the rules can change. So they're, mm-hmm. they're, it's out there, folks, with your government-controlled retirement plans. Yeah. You need to uh, think about uh, ways that you can usurp, um, you know, what the, uh, the government's overreach into the money that you've accumulated based on the rules that have been set. Generally, they try to grant, you know, generally when, when they make new rules, they generally grandfather people mm-hmm. in where it doesn't affect them. But yeah. uh, obviously that won't work. No, for, how balances, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, everybody would be grandfathered in if right. you started from day one. And yes. so I'm telling you, things aren't safe. And that's why tax planning is very important. Very important. Yes. All right, what else? Okay, El Salvador became the first country in the world to make... Bitcoin legal tender. So advocates of the digital currency, including the country's president, they say the policy uh, which took effect last Tuesday morning was historic. But for the first few hours, uh, as the official uh, tender in El Salvador, there was uh, some technological hiccups. Um, The country had a digital wallet app that it opened to residents and consumers for the first time. And um, some people didn't know how to use it. Well, of course not, because it's Bitcoin. I mean, it's cryptocurrency. It's it's brand spanking new. But that but that's you know that's what you expect. You know when something rolls out, you never it doesn't roll out smooth. It's interesting. What 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 didn't what? Uh, my question is this: mm-hmm. Is okay? They've made it a a legitimate currency. What do they say? The, the, yeah, the official it's, currency of the country. The official mm-hmm. currency, like our official currency, is the dollar. Yes, their official currency. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought they were just going to start recognizing it as as, as such. Mm-hmm. Um, we shall see what. Uh, yes, th- this is good. This is a good experiment into yes. how this uh, how this works moving forward. Because yes, if it's the official currency and there's hiccups already. Yes. Uh, boy. They also use uh, the U.S. dollar in El Salvador. Yeah, they do. That's another currency. Well, I guess that. See. Use that everywhere. Well, no, they, well, not necessarily. They take it everywhere. You can take it yes. everywhere, but not necessarily. Yeah, they don't. Yes. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you can't walk into uh, uh, Bosnia. Mm-hmm. If you know, and you just always pay in dollars. Cash. I mean, yeah. I mean. You're probably right. You know. Anyway. All right, what else? Okay. Way, way to go, El Salvador. Staying on, trying to stay on a cutting edge, at least in something. That's right, they are. Uh, so Amazon said on Wednesday that they're going to bring their cashierless technology to two whole food stores for the first time, letting shoppers basically go around, grab what they need, and leave without even having to open your wallets. That's because cameras and sensors are going to track what is being taken off the shelves, and then the items are going to be charged to, Am- uh, to your Amazon account yes. after you leave the store with them. I, so there we go. I've- cashierless whole foods. I've heard a, I've heard of that before. Um, mm-hmm. That they were um, implementing these stores. I've I've been in a, um, I guess it's an Amazon. It was a Whole Foods, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they 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 had that. I don't think that you just walked in, but you could just charge it to like a, a your Amazon you know type of type of account, right? You know, but now you don't even have to. You just grab it and roll. You just grab and go. Yeah, and oh, they identify you based on your, I guess, facial recognition. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, riddle me this. Yes. Uh, we're still in the midst of a global pandemic, right? Correct. There's something called the Delta variant, right? Yes. Um, how do they do that when you have... A mask on? Just your mask on. Hmm. Good question. You know, I, I mean... mean I'll, I'll, I'll email Jeff Bezos real quick, find the, out. The, you know, I guess you can look at 
it from a you know a retinal scan, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But you have to stand there and get your eye scanned, unless right. the technology now can do it when you just walk in. But that's uh, facial recognition. Yes. Facial recognition is different yes. because you know you're looking, especially with multiple cameras, you know, all around hundreds mm-hmm. of cameras all around. They can get you from all different angles and yes, and and know who you are. But if your face is covered with a with mask. That probably makes Might it not more be difficult. As easy. I That's wonder if true. they got that ready. I have another question. What if you don't have an Amazon account? What if you walk in there, <laughs> you don't have too. an Amazon account, there you, you grab something off the shelf and then leave, then what? Um, then what do you do? Right. Everyone has an Amazon account, though. I guess but, most but people that, do. But, but that's a good question, though. Yeah. Because my, I mean, how would you got to be to get in? Right. They, they check your idea that, that, you know, right when you walk in. Because my daughter's 12 years old. She could walk in. She doesn't have an Amazon account. My son's 17. He walks in. He, he doesn't have an Amazon account. So you are right. There you go. Hmm, there you go. They got to work out those kinks. That's okay. why they're not opened uh, from coast to coast. Well, yes. <laughs> just two, two uh, Whole Foods. <laughs> All right. What else? Um. Well, One let's more. talk about NFTs. So Visa... Uh, is the latest major company jumping into the NFT craze. An NFT stands for non-fungible token. It's basically a digital asset designed to represent ownership of a virtual item. Anyways, the payment processor (laughs) Visa said that they uh, bought a CryptoPunk, which is one of thousands of NFT-based digital avatars, for $150,000 in Ethereum. I just said like six words that I don't understand in right, that sentence. Right. I, 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 it's funny. <laughs> you beat me to the punch. I was going to say, you have been talking and saying all these things yes. that I Sounds have like English. no idea yes. what you are talking about. Yeah. No idea what you're talking about. That's why, I mean, I'm just old, so I'm mm-hmm. probably never going to get into the um, this crypto, NFT. Digital, mm-hmm. Crypto, you know, who knows? Um, you know, I do own some some crypto coins and things of that nature cryptocurrency mm-hmm. but the nft stuff you know that stuff is i i don't understand it i'm old i don't understand all these tokens and things of that nature my kids do by the way because mm. they've been dealing in this crypto nft non these this whole stuff with with these video games mm-hmm. and monies and and you know all the stuff that that you can do me on the other hand no idea don't know what's going on but thank you d for that news you can use and if we gave you that you know that would be enough but we got to give the people what they yearn for and that's the news you can't use okay by now it is well known among connoisseurs of giant frozen desserts that mcdonald's ice cream machines break down a lot The technical problems that uh, regularly befall the contraptions that make McFlurries, shakes, and other treats, uh, they happen a lot. So McDonald's has acknowledged the issue, but customers are not loving it. And the problem has gotten so widespread (laughs) that an online tool lets you track which machines are down before you get to the McDonald's and get mad that you can't get your McFlurry. And now even the feds are reportedly on the case. To figure out what's going on with these McFlurry machines. I've uh, I don't go to McDonald's, mm-hmm. so I have no earthly idea that the snow snow machines, that the ice cream machines break down a lot so regularly. Mm-hmm. Where there's a federal federal investigation, there is uh, that's going on. Trying to figure the FTC is trying to figure out what's going on with the broken ice cream machines, and actually, it has to do with uh, manufacturing companies not 
uh, allowing repairs to be easily accessible. I think there's an investigation that the FTC is doing into just manufacturing companies in general and repairs. But they are specifically asking McDonald's franchisees what's going on. Yeah, as with they all the should. Breakdowns. Because uh, people want to know what's going on with their McFlurries. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. All right, one more. Okay, a Swiss town called Freiburg. It's rewarding its long-lived residents by offering 100 bottles of wine to those who reach age 100. Oh, they're trying to kill them off. There well, you go. potentially, yes. There you go. You're 100 years old. What are you going to do with 100 bottles of wine besides get drunk, have alcohol poisoning, and die? That's a uh, pretty slick way to uh, thin out the, the herd. Yeah, you might be right. You know, you know they, they have, do they have Social Security there? They former, they former, <laughs> that's a good question. Because they're trying to get them off. They used to give out a free armchair. When you turned 100. Right. And the residents were like, well, I'm gonna, I have an armchair. What am I going to do with another armchair? Well, so now they? they've decided to give out 100 yeah. bottles of wine. Yeah. I'm when you turn herd. 100. That's what they're trying to do. Thin yes. the herd. It's a sneaky way. Hmm. Who is this again? Norway? No. Uh, Swiss. Sweden? Swi- mm-hmm. Sweden. Yeah, see? There you go. Swiss the Swiss. Town. The Swiss. There you go. Hey, um, we'll see what happens. But uh, hey, 100 bottles of wine. Way too much. You're not going to make it. Thank you, D, for that news. You can't. Use and we all we all know what that music means. It means we come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.